The views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. If anybody needs me, I'll be on my cell. And where are you going? Rehab. I said something bad about the Jews, I don't know what, but Bethany has left me over it. Anyway, I recognize that I have issues I need to examine within my soul. I'm getting treatment, and with the help of family and friends, I shall make a full recovery. Rehab? It's fantastic, Bethany. They help clear up outstanding parking tickets, assist with travel plans. You name it, everybody should do it. It's like going to AA, only they let you drink. Denny, you're not taking what you said seriously. Bethany, it is not anti-Semitic to question Israel's politics. Yes, it is. Why? Oh, just forget it. I'm leaving. Wait, 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 wait. Oh. Bethany, if I sometimes come off as insensitive, it's because I, I, I got a lot to deal with. I got the um, mad cow. I date a midget. I was in love with the midget's mother. It's not easy being me. Denny? I have fought my whole life to get respect. I respect you. No, you do not. You belittle my faith. You call me a midget. Do you have the slightest idea how offensive that word is? Midget? Yes. I'm a little person. I'm not a midget. You do not respect me, Denny. I believe you that you're not so much a bigot as... Buffoon? No. Just... Israel is a country about the size of New Jersey surrounded by other countries who want to destroy it because of its religious faith. What it's like to live with that reality every day. You simply cannot separate the history of persecution and the threat of future persecution from its politics. Israeli politics go to survival. Can you get that? Good morning, London. It's Thursday, January 30th, 2014. I'm Bob Metz. And I'm Robert Vaughn. And this is Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM. We'll be with you from now till noon. I don't not right wing. Just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be and welcome to the show today where, once again, the number is 519-661-3600 if you'd care to join us in our conversation today. And we have in studio with us to discuss Prime Minister Stephen Harper's visit to the Knesset in Israel recently and perhaps some more uh, domestic policies on the issue of Stephen Harper and the progressive, co- or just the conservatives, the federal conservatives. And in studio with us is... Associate Professor of Political Science, Salim Mansour, here from here at the University of Western Ontario. Oh, I guess they call it Western University now, don't they, Salim? Yeah, that's right. And welcome to the show again for, gee, the seventh time uh, Robert just explained to us. Thank you for yes. having me. Uh, you, you know, Salim, I, I know we're going to talk about Stephen Harper and sort of right-wing politics, let's put it that way. But, you know, whenever I find myself in a position of talking to my associates and friends about you personally... I see you a little more as a liberal than a conservative, small l, um, cl- in the classic sense. Am, am I doing you an injustice of any sort when I, when I look at you with, as, as that way? Or do you see yourself more, I'm talking small c, you know, small c, small l, conservative, liberal. How do you see yourself in those labels, or do you even use them in that sense? I think you got you got me right. I think I'm yeah. comfortable with uh, the way you said it. You with know, small L liberal. I think the small L liberals mm-hmm. are with the conservative party. Uh, I see. I see. Uh, 
the country, I've written about this, maybe we're going to talk about this today, the country, both United States and Canada politically, I'm not talking about where the people are, but politically, the political voice, uh, the discussion in the mainstream is the country center-left. And so classical liberals, I think, are more with the conservative. They are center-right because the right is about freedom, mm-hmm. about individual choice, individual responsibility. Well, that certainly makes it a bit confusing for the average voter, doesn't it? In some ways, or is that just his problem to resolve? <laughs> <laughs> well, f- f- a lot of things, uh, Bob, I would say, is confusing for the average voter. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the role of people like you and Robert and me and others in the media, in the public, to explain, mm-hmm. to clarify, to distinguish. Now, on January 24th, Salim, you actually posted in uh, Gatestone Institute, it was a, wrote an article for Gatestone Institute in New York, <coughs> on um, Canada, Canada's Prime Minister, a display of rare courage you called uh, Stephen Harper's speech to the Knesset. Um, what was your personal uh, feelings about the speech to the Knesset? I've seen it, Bob's seen it, and uh, we're quite impressed. What do you think? Yeah, and that's what I wrote. Yeah, I, I, I was both impressed, and then, you know, my mind works on putting things in historical context, and so uh, that made it even more impressive, given where Canada has been on this issue that is among the political leaders and political parties for a number of years, especially since 9-11. Somebody once said that um, he's out there trying to curry votes for an election. This when the uh, population of Jews in Canada is one-third, for example, of the population of Muslims. You would think that he was trying to curry favor to get elected. He'd be out there denigrating Israel like all of the, the other nations in the world, trying to equivocate and be moral relativistic and saying that Israel has its faults, but he's not doing that. So how can they, people be saying that he's currying favor to, for, to be reelected? Well, I think the people who are saying that and that you would be citing are the people who are in the mainstream media or who are in politics, you know. And so they look at everything f- to the prism of politics and one has to ask where do they stand, what it is about. Uh, uh, politics is all cynicism and so that's what it is. If their man was doing what mm-hmm. Stephen Harper did, maybe they would be going Shakespeare. Of that's course. Interesting. <laughs> you know, just to speak to what Robert was just saying, I, I, I have this article from the National Post of uh, January 17th by Martin Goldfarb and he points out previous prime ministers who had given speeches to Jewish audiences. This is right out of Yes Minister, and we've played these clips before. (laughs) Quote, when it came time to vote at the UN, following the advice of our bureaucracy, Canada often abstained. When resolutions at the UN condemning Israel for one thing or the other were voted on, Canada rarely voted with Israel. Harper changed that. To this day, the media continues to challenge Harper's position on Israel in the context of, quote, loss of influence. What is interesting to me, writes the author here, is that the press never engages in an argument regarding actual values, principles, or the ethics underlying the condemnation of Israel at the UN. Isn't it funny? Remember that clip we played? With the, with the minister condemning his uh, associate always, because Britain would always vote against Israel or abstain from voting, and it, it came from the bureaucracy. And I just find it interesting that they had it pegged so accurately, and we're hearing the same commentary about our government. What's going on in the bureaucracy that's so different from what's going on in government? Is, is there a schism there, or is that where all the bad news comes from? 
Well, you're talking about foreign policy mm-hmm. bureaucracy, yes, you know, yes. Ministry of External Affairs, or State Department, or what have you, in France and Britain, there's in the Western democracies. Uh, what, what is happening in bureaucracy is very simple. It is not rocket science. Uh, you have one country that is a Jewish state, so you have one ambassador or one office from the bureaucracy dealing with one Jewish state. You have got 57 mm-hmm. Arab and Muslim well, I get states. That, yeah. That's OIC. And so you have 57 to 1 that is batting in the bureaucracy on the issue. You have to have a very strong prime minister, a very strong uh, minister for foreign affairs who can take the batting from 57 and try to balance it out. So when the liberals... And the NDP talk about Canada's very balanced approach to the Middle East. Basically, what they're saying, they're balanced with the 57 yeah. as opposed to one. That's, that's about that's it. That's exactly the balance we're talking about. In uh, Harper's speech, he said, uh, We welcome Israel's induction this month into the Western Democratic Group of States at the United Nations. Is that a way to countermeasure the uh, Organization of Islamic States and their 57 by bringing Israel into the Western Bloc. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a very positive move on the part of the Prime Minister uh, and Canada. The, the question is whether other democracies will carry that through because Israel has been isolated. I mean, you just now saw the UNESCO refused to hold the exhibition on, on Israeli history and civilization and culture. Well, why did UNESCO do that? I mean, Israel is a member state of the UN. Because, again, back to it, 57 votes, 57 to 1. And then the other countries, Latin American countries, African countries, other Asian countries, which are not part of that block of 57 Arab and Muslim countries, they line up behind that. You know, that's again the maths that is going on in the diplomatic arena. And Israel then is shunted out from just about everything which in the UN is based upon regional representation. Remember, you know, Canada gets regional representation as part of the Americas. So we get every few years a time to serve on the UN Security Council. The last time we mm. were voted out of the UN Security Portugal Council... Portugal got it instead yeah, because of this, everybody said. Precisely yes. because of this. Yes. Well, actually, Bob has put together a collage of uh, comments that Stephen Harper made in his speech to the Knesset just which, recently. Which I see you have a copy of right in front of yeah. you there, mm-hmm. Salim. Yeah. And uh, we're going to... I think before we proceed any further, why don't we give our listeners a, a sure. taste of Stephen Harper's speech to the Knesset yeah. and some of the more... It, it was uh, much longer. This is only about features. seven minutes of the 22-minute <laughs> presentation plus, but mm-hmm. uh, shall we tune in? Yeah, let's, okay, uh, let's come tune back in now. The understanding that it is right to support Israel because after generations of persecution, the Jewish, Jewish people deserve their own homeland and deserve to live safe, safely and peacefully in that homeland. Now let me repeat that. Canada supports Israel fundamentally because it is right to do so. This this, by the way is a very Canadian trait to do something for no reason other than it is right. (laughs) Even when no immediate reward for or threat to ourselves is evident. On many occasions Canadians have gone even so far as to bleed and die to defend the freedoms of others in far-off lands. 
It is thus a Canadian tradition to stand for what is principled and just, regardless of whether it is convenient or popular. But I would argue, and as you know, Prime Minister, I have argued, that support today for the Jewish State of Israel is more than a moral imperative. It is also a matter of strategic importance, also a matter of our own long-term interests. Ladies and gentlemen, I said a moment ago that the special friendship between Canada and Israel is rooted in shared values. Indeed, Israel is the only country in the Middle East which has long anchored itself in the ideals of freedom, democracy, and the rule of law. And these are not mere notions. They are the things that over time and against all odds have proven to be, over and over again, the only ground in which human rights, political stability, and economic prosperity may flourish. These values are not proprietary, they do not belong to one people or one nation, nor are they a finite resource. On the contrary, the wider they are spread, the stronger they grow. Likewise, when they are threatened anywhere, they are threatened everywhere. And who threatens them? Or more precisely, what today threatens the societies that embrace such values and the progress they nurture. Those who scorn modernity, those who loathe the liberty of others, and those who hold the differences of peoples and cultures and religions in contempt. Those who often begin by hating the Jews, but history shows, up, shows us, end up hating everyone who is not like them. And so we either stand up for our values and our interests here in Israel, stand up for the existence of a free, democratic, and distinctively Jewish state, or the retreat of our values and our interests in the world will begin. Now, ladies and gentlemen, even support, firm support, doesn't mean that allies and friends will agree on all issues all of the time. As you and I know, Prime Minister. No state is beyond legitimate questioning or criticism. Indeed, Israel as a democratic state makes such criticism a part of your national life. But our support does mean at least three things. First, Canada finds it deplorable that some in the international community still question the legitimacy of the existence of the State of Israel. Our view that Israel's right to exist as a Jewish state is absolute and non-negotiable. Second, Canada believes that Israel should be able to exercise its full rights as a UN member state and to enjoy the full measure of its sovereignty. Third, we refuse to single out Israel for criticism on the international stage. Now, friends, I understand that in the world of diplomacy, with one solitary Jewish state and scores of others, it is all too easy to go along to get along and single out Israel. But such going along to get along is not a balanced approach. Nor, it is, nor is it a sophisticated one. It is just, quite simply, weak and wrong. Unfortunately, 
ladies and gentlemen, we live in a world where that kind of moral relativism today runs rampant. And in the garden of such moral relativism, the seeds of a much more sinister notion can easily be planted. And so we have written, witnessed in recent years the mutation of the old disease of anti-Semitism and the emergence of a new strain. We all know about the old anti-Semitism. It was crude and ignorant, and it led to the horrors of the death camps. Of course, in many dark corners, it is still with us. But in much of the Western world, the old hatred has been translated into more sophisticated language for use in polite society. People who would never say they hate and blame the Jews for their own failings or the problems of the world instead declare their hatred of Israel and blame the only Jewish state for the problems of the Middle East. As once Jewish businesses were boycotted, some civil society leaders today call for a boycott of Israel. On some campuses, intellectualized arguments against Israeli policies thinly mask underlying realities, such as the shunning of Israeli academics and the harassment of Jewish citizens. Most disgracefully of all, some openly call Israel an apartheid state. Now think about that statement. Think about the twisted logic and outright malice. A state based on freedom, democracy, and the rule of law. Founded so that Jews can flourish as Jews and seek shelter from the shadow of the worst racist experiment in history. That is condemned, and it is condemned in language, in the mass language of anti racism. Friends, that is nothing short of sickening. And of course, that was Stephen Harper addressing the Knesset in Israel, a speech that Conrad Black said was one of the greatest speeches ever delivered by a Canadian leader. And in it, there's so many things that I'd like to ask our guest, Salim Ansur, about. Number one, I guess, on my mind is that Warren Kinsella, amongst others, has said that to be anti-Semitic is being redefined by Harper. In other words, to say that you're anti-Israel is to be anti-Semitic. My understanding of what I read and heard from the, Mr. Harper uh, said nothing of the sort. Uh, any comments, Salim? Yeah, I agree with you. No, I, I think Warren Kinsella is doing what Warren Kinsella is good at doing. You know, he's giving the big L liberal spin on this matter. No, uh, you can go through with a fine tooth comb uh, on this page, and the prime minister never said anything of that sort. He legitimately criticized what is happening. You know, in our university campuses, for instance, uh, the singling out of Israel as an apartheid state. You know, uh, on, on what basis? What basis our students are being taught that Israel is an apartheid state? It's the hypocrisy, isn't it? It is hypocrisy. It is completely doing what Gebel did, you know, tell a lie, a small lie, and make it into a big lie by repeating it often again. And the bigger concern as an academic I have, you know, and here we are sitting in a university environment, is how we have deconstructed and pulverized our history. 
because that's what it is you know you take the history you twist it around to serve your ideological purpose so that's what the prime minister was pointing out to. now just to um, clarify Kinsella in a Sun article basically said that Harper said to be anti-Israel is to be anti-Semitic and yet the day before his article appeared probably written after his article was written um, on his blog site he said Harper didn't really say that and then he just simply printed what Harper did say, and this is what Harper said. Yeah. Quote, no state is beyond legitimate questioning or criticism, and also criticism of Israel government policy is not in and of itself necessarily anti-Semitic. Those are direct quotes from Stephen Harper. So what Warren Kinsella and his like are, are trying to, as you say, pulverize Prime Minister Harper's speech and to try to rewrite, as you say, the narrative of what Mr. Harper did in Israel. Right. Exactly. And, and again, as Mr. Harper says in that speech, you know, to single out Israel and, and to simply insist that it is only Israel in so many words, that the cause of the problems of the Middle East, of everything that has happened in the Middle East, say from 9-11, we don't have to go back a century. This is the centenary mm. year of World War One, and if you want, we can talk a lot about it, you know, in passage. It has nothing to do with Israel. And yet those who single out Israel, they are engaged in what I call the culture of denial. It is precisely that blindness that they have for what the uh, Arab states are doing to Israel that is anti-Semitic. And Harper said it like this. He said, quote, What else can we call criticism that selectively condemns only the Jewish state and effectively denies its right to defend itself while systematically ignoring or excusing the violence and oppression all around it, unquote. I'd love to see Warren Kinsella write an article condemning the people in the West Bank and Gaza for the rocket attacks that they constantly bombard Israel with. And it's the history of the last 70 years. Yes. You see? I have this favorite, I don't know if you have the time, but I have, yep. this, fav I have this favorite anecdote which I share with my students, you know, not about the Middle East, but in a general sense, and it's very appropriate. This is the 100th anniversary of the year of uh, World War I breaking out. Mm -hmm. uh, at the end of the war, uh, during the peace treaty in Paris, uh, the journalists were grilling the French leader, uh, Georges Clemenceau. Uh, Prime Minister for what had happened and, and the war that that France stumbled into or France got involved in and so on and so forth. Sort of blame game. That is what Warren Kinsella is engaged with. And George Clemenceau replied, look, the whole thing is open to any number of interpretation and discussion. But there is one thing that you cannot argue. It was not Belgium that attacked Germany. <laughs> it was <laughs> Germany that rolled through Belgium. <laughs> Just to keep it straight, yes. It, it becomes that silly, doesn't it? It becomes that blatantly silly when exactly. people can say, for example, as yeah. Harper is saying that to be anti-Israel is to be anti-Semitic, when he said the exact opposite. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not just okay. Kinsella that's out there saying that. No. It's a whole yeah. contingency in this, yeah. you know. Here's this headline, reporters asking wrong questions, Harper says. Yeah. And he's constantly being harassed by all the reporters over yeah. there. I guess he gave one of them a little talking to in public. Right. And, um, you know, everybody's wondering, well, why are they only asking him about what Israel did bad? Never mention a bad thing yeah. about what anybody else does. And it's interesting. What do you think he means when he says... 
um, here's two, he said in the speech, support is abs- our support of Israel's absolute and non-negotiable. And he also said, through fire and water, Canada will stand with you. What, 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 how do you interpret that? This, what does that mean? What kind of fire and water are we talking well, about uh, here? Well, are we talking uh, about a potential of going to war in case Israel <laughs> gets attacked? I mean, how far would this go? This kind well, of I, I think that is a that is almost what what you call peroration, you know, mm-hmm. the 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 language of yeah. rhetoric and 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 almost Shakespearean that is quoting biblical phraseology, well, certainly which it's is a moral support. Yeah, There's no which question is, which there. is perfectly fine too, because the occasion demands it. You know, here you are, the head of a government, you're representing the country, uh, invited to speak, and he was the, he's been the only prime minister, you know, that has uh, so far spoken. Uh, uh, from the heart of the Jewish state, which is the Jewish parliament. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you rise to that occasion, and I think that is what it is. But behind that is the commitment that the prime minister was making on behalf of the people that he represents, that Canada is not going to be ambiguous, ambiguous or, you know, is going to be equivalent, you know, will shy away from speaking right and speaking correctly and speaking strongly at every forum on the issue of Israel. You know, another example of the hypocrisy we see coming from the uh, uh, the United Nations in particular, you you brought it out in your article to Gatestone when you said the UN General Assembly resolution in November of 75 declared Zionism a form of racism and racial discrimination. So now, when Israel tries to defend itself, people complain about Israel... Uh, exclusively, and and some people say that that's anti-Semitic. Well, Harper says that to single out Israel specifically is anti-Semitic, and yet the United Nations basically said the same thing when Israel um, tried to expand its territories in defense. But but that that again, behind that is the whole history of the UN. How? The structure of the UN in terms of its voting and in its position, diplomacy and so on, have changed over time as the what we used to call the third world countries grew in numbers in terms of majority. Here is the body, the UN, that is in a sense the midwife of the state of Israel, Mm -hmm. the Jewish state. It is the only state, as a matter of fact, if you go to it on the record, where we have, what, about 194 member states of the UN? In that 194 member states of the UN or thereabouts, there's only one state that UN is directly involved. How interesting in you should say that. that. One of your previous visits on the show, that was literally what we covered. And we had, <laughs> remember Exodus? Yes. And the whole process that they talked about there, getting Israel's acceptance through the UN. Yeah. And, uh, you and know, then you, you, you position that mm-hmm. record with the sort of thing that happened in 1975 resolution or what goes on generally, picking up on Israel as a sole uh, 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 country in violation of quote-unquote human rights. And members sitting there who are making those judgments are the great defenders of human rights, China. <laughs> Sudan, yeah, right. <laughs> Iran. Your sarcasm is no Syria. <laughs> Are you really Syria about that? Pakistan. Um, <laughs> but, you know, even in his visit to the Mideast recently, I'm sure there are some people who said, well, he sounds like he's on Israel's side. And then the next breath he says he's going over to Palestine to give him $66 million in aid, and he supports a Palestinian state. Any reaction to that? 
Is that a contradiction? Is that part of being a, quote, honest broker in the Mideast? Well, well, if we throw away these terms, it signifies nothing. nothing. <laughs> I'm reading it only from the paper. <laughs> where the Prime Minister of Canada has to represent sure. the national interest of Canada, Understood. you know, the, 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 the record of Canada, the commitments of Canada. We are a democratic society. We are a society of law and order. We don't elect a government that once it is elected then says everything that existed prior to we got elected is nil, null and void. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a continuity and so on and so forth and commitments and treaty obligation and we are a, one of the more serious member states of the UN. And so we have commitments, and we recognize, we, we are not the ones who are picking and choosing, we recognize all the other Arab states and Muslim states. But so to be uh, fair to Harper, and to, uh, to make sure that it's understood, he did not simply unequivocally say that we would support a Palestinian state. He said, True. I would support a Palestinian state which, by the way, is inevitable, I think. Anyway, you can have a a location on the planet with a number of millions of people and not eventually have a state there. He said we would support a democratic Palestinian state which recognizes Israel's right to exist and can live in peace with it. That's the kind of state he would recognize, not simply a Palestinian state. Absolutely, and exactly. And and more importantly, uh, Robert, a Palestinian state cannot be declared by the UN or must not be declared by the UN. It is a state that can only come about through the proper negotiation backed up by the UN and other international organizations in which the framework has been set up. So the framework exists. Mm -hmm. The Israelis have accepted that framework. That is the UN Resolution 242, uh, the recognition uh, that, you know, there will be land for peace that is as a consequence of the 1967 war, Israel will withdraw and Israel has demonstrated that. It withdrew from Sinai when it made the peace treaty with Egypt and 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 Sadat. And what did the Arab and Muslim countries do? They invaded. <laughs> no, they killed Sadat. Yeah, they killed Sadat and there's been constant... Every time yeah. Israel shows any sort of concessions, the uh, Palestinians if you want to call them that, yeah. uh, the Arabs, yeah. uh, invade. The Arabs attack, the Arabs, you know, so, so the take advantage was set, of it. Set up. If the UN wants to forget that, that is the UN means that the General Assembly, where these numbers makes the difference, want to forget that, we are not obliged to forget it. We as Canada. No. That's where the difference between Prime Minister Harper is and all the previous Liberal Prime Ministers. The Liberal Prime Ministers equivocated That's based right. upon who they were talking to. This Prime Minister is reminding that there is an agreement, and you've got to live up to that agreement. It cannot be done unilaterally. Well, we're at the bottom of the half hour right now. We're going to take a quick break and continue this conversation on the other side when perhaps it will expand our discussion on Harper into the domestic field as well. Although we could be going anywhere. We don't know yet. We'll, We'll figure it out when we get back after this. How come you get all the good cases? I'm left to stir up my own excitement. As long as you still can. Mm. You can learn something every day, my friend. Even at the age of 73. And what specifically did you learn today? People are complex. Even the little people. They don't like to be called midgets, you know. They're complex and very sensitive. Now, tell me the truth. Don't you think that Israel overreacted in Lebanon? I do. 
But I suppose one could also look at it in the context of our measured response to 9-11, in which we invaded a country that had nothing to do with it. There you go again. You're such a communist. You can cancel our sleepover. Were we having one? No. You know, Denny, I have a very close friend who's Jewish. Congratulations. You want a medal? I hadn't finished. She shared with me that Jews are perfectly happy to discuss among Jews the idea that Israel may have been wrong. They just don't want to talk about it with non-Jews. Why? Because non-Jews can't possibly comprehend the sense of persecution Bethany was talking about. And that comprehension is fundamental to any meaningful discussion of the subject. So, what you're saying is it's not my fault I don't understand. It's not your fault. I feel better. Thank you. asking myself, because I'm remembering a Stephen Harper once upon a time, who was, came here to change Ottawa, was going to stick up for the little guy. But you've become what you used to oppose. You've, you've changed in some way. I mean, you used to care about the environment, and now we're at the back of the pack internationally. You, uh, you said you'd clean up Ottawa from scandals, and now we've got the most closed, secretive government we've pretty well ever had, uh, with scandals and people stuffed in the Senate and charged with fraud. Uh, our health care system, you said you cared about that, but okay, we've, Mr. Got, Harper? we've got people let's, with let's no family chance. doctor. Mr. Layton, let's what give Mr. Harper a chance well, to respond. What changed? Well, look, Mr. Layton, as I've said, there are no corporate tax cuts right now. We want to keep rates where they are not so we can continue to create jobs and grow the Canadian economy. We do this for ordinary Canadian families. That is our focus. That's why in our most recent budget, the next phase of the economic action plan, we're maintaining transfers for health care. It's why, we're why we wanted to eliminate uh, the cap on medical expenses for, uh, for ordinary people in the tax system. It's why we wanted to have incentives for doctors and nurses to go to underserved areas. These are the, the things Stephen Harper, you, these you've are the given things that were in the economic action plan. The yeah. old Jack Layton would have supported those things instead of forcing an election that nobody wanted. And I hope when we get back to Parliament, the old Jack Layton will come back I'm and focus on the very issues that, that the, old Jack Layton, old? the old okay, Jack Layton. Okay, I may be a grandpa now. But you know. yes. Gentlemen, Mr. Deceptive, Mr. Knapp. And that, of course, was uh, the leaders' debate from 2011 on um, April the 12th of 2011. And, of course, that was the late Jack Layton and uh, Stephen Harper arguing about, uh, well, politics in general. You said an interesting thing through the break there, Salim. You said foreign policy does not really impact that much on domestic politics. It doesn't have much domestic does, yeah, traction. Traction, as you put it. Yeah. Is, uh, so is what Harper has done in Israel now, would you think that will have uh, uh, any measurable impact on, on his domestic um, scene here? Because apparently everybody seems to think he's in trouble. Do you even agree with that? No, I don't think so. I, I, I think... I think these are stories uh, that um, will get, you know, washed away with all the other stories that will pile up between now and the election time. Mm -hmm. I cannot, for myself, reach back in time and see that there was a foreign policy issue that 
made or broke the government and i it's up to you now if you if you think you know there is but, uh, maybe go back to conscription or something <laughs> yeah well we were then engaged in war right yes and 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 that that changed the whole nature of the situation but even in the longest war that we have been involved in that is the afghan war in 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 the history of our country that issue has not been the issue that made or broke the government whether in the election of 2004 2006, 2008. As they say, it's the economy, stupid. It is the economy, it is the nature of our federation. Healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> Canada Pension Plan, things Canada, of that nature. That's right. Pocketbook, sh yeah. pocketbook issues are what drive uh, and win elections. And the perceptions that are, uh, and the images that are made by the media about, about uh, uh, political parties and their leaders. Now, Justin Trudeau just came out with a bit of a, uh, somewhat of a bombshell, it's more like a, a stink bomb, if you ask me, <laughs> with his uh, firing from the caucus of the uh, Liberal senators. And, you know, as much as I dislike... Stephen Harper and the Conservatives' domestic policies, and I and I do, I dislike a lot of what they've done, and and admire what they've done about their consistency in foreign policy. It's a bit of a sweet and sour kind of love hate relationship I have with Stephen Harper. That so many but every now and then he comes up with a gem. And the other day when Justin Trudeau fired the Liberal senators, Mr. Harper responded. I gather the change announced by the leader today is that the unelected liberal senators will become unelected senators who happen to be liberal. <laughs> <laughs> I think that quote should go down in history, along with uh, Tequila Sheila and some of the other bombos that came out of uh, uh, yeah. the parliament. What do you think about uh, Harper and stuff, uh, comments like that? Uh, I think he was right on, but uh, again, uh, the question is, what is Justin Trudeau trying to achieve? Uh, on this matter and um, if it is not a matter of image I don't know what the substantive issue is all about uh, my, my understanding was it was simply to distance himself from the future scandal that's coming with the spending of those particular senators so he can say well they're not mine and that that's that's what the yeah, yeah it's, it's I, I think any argument that that, <laughs> that can be put out by uh, Justin Trudeau and his acolytes will will fly. At but this, this idea of nonpartisan politics is a contradiction in terms, is it not? Uh, is it, I mean, could there be yeah, a nonpartisan yeah. politics? Could there be a nonpartisan hockey team going into NHL? You know, <laughs> that you're not going to push the other guy onto the board. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, this is exactly what Harper's facing within his own caucus, and we've yeah. talked about that on the show too. You know having to keep his own members in in line in the sense of showing a common front a, a solid voice not everybody going off on their own tangents and you i see that as a as a quality of a good leader a lot of people seem to think that's not the case how do you feel about that no, I do agree. I mean there are a lot of things I agree with Robert there are a lot of things that makes me feel negatively about the how many years we are now in this administration? Ten, I think, of uh, not majority. Eight, yeah, mm -hmm. uh, minority and majority, mm -hmm. and that that there are issues that I think the three of us around this table care about that has not been consistently pushed forward on the domestic front. You know, uh, freedom issues that we are th thinking about that we could talk. Well, about. certainly, you know, we've we've come out against things like you know mandatory minimum uh, sentences for certain things that just don't seem reasonable. Right. This war on drugs that yeah. that failed the, attempt there. Yeah. You know, where we already know there's huge waste. He seems to be moving in the proper direction again on. The, the global warming issue, if yeah. we can call it that. You wouldn't know it today, but... 
right. But but as you say, uh, Bob, uh, a, a, a party is a coalition of people and ideas. You know, it's, it's especially a democratic Correct, party. Yeah. And and the question is how you compromise, how you bring together, and you make everybody with their own different perspectives on things hang together on some key issue. And I think Harper has done that very well, going through the minority government, mm-hmm. two minority government, now in a majority government, and hopefully he will get a majority again. Uh, he has done pretty well. And on that issue, I think you know he will be. I mean. What is the biblical saying? No, no prophet is recognized in his home village or something of that sort. No one or in his own time. I'm in not his sure. Own time it was something own like village. that. So, uh, no political leader. I mean, if you go back, any great political leader that has stood out beyond the peripheral, you know, I mean, Churchill, I mean, voted out of office at the end of Second World War. Um, Anyone you can name at that time, Ronald Reagan, you know, who now we celebrate as one of the greatest American president, uh, Americans celebrate him since the end of the Second World War. Well, during his time in office, he was constantly the button of not only Saturday, uh, uh, the comedians on, on, on radio and television, but of everybody, you mm-hmm. know, he was attacked, you know. Every, so <coughs> I think that's the penalty of being uh, the well, leader. Well, you're of always the going to have society. your enemies of Certainly. I think the, one of the things that causes that to be true, that we recognize our great leaders in retrospect, is because we've had the time to see whether exactly. their policies worked or not. But, but uh, I would, I would if, you, if, if I have a couple of minutes, I would say that uh, right now, you know, Canada, uh, I agree with Conrad Black. You, you, you read Conrad Black's thing on, yes. on Harper. But one of the things that Conrad Black was implying is Canada is emerging as a great power. Now, I, I don't know what the definition of great power would be. We would have to define it. But Canada is a leading player in the we- in the world, not only in the Western world, but in the world. The Cold War is long over. We are in a situation which is completely new in, in, in the 21st century. It is a multipolar world. There are new centers of, of uh, power activity going on. Uh, China is rising. Europe is going a different way. Africa, you know, is struggling with its own problem. Middle East is in a state India. of internal war. Latin America doesn't seem to know anything or what they do. Canada is one great voice of sanity. I mean, we are a G8 country, G7 country to be more precise, Russian one. We are a democracy, our landmass, our economy, our system of government. Do we have a crisis in Ottawa like what in Paris is going on with Francois Hollande? Which woman is he going to go wearing which helmet? (laughs) <laughs> hiding at night to see, you know, etc. Et no, we are a very respectable country. People might sneer and say, you know, we are a bourgeois country. I mean, that would be, people would, but that's what is about respectability and decency. We are very solid. Our our this current government has shown leadership on any number of issues, but also has shown how to govern with respect. The the back and forth that goes on in question period is part of the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you are not good enough to stand and do that, then don't go into that pit. But where it governance comes, this this government has shown that when we just look to the south of us, what is happening in the United States. It's interesting States. that you say that because there's <coughs> a Republican se- uh, senator or a congressman, I, I'm not sure, uh, being interviewed by a New York Times reporter, and the New York Times reporter wanted to get in a question about some questionable finance dealings, and the uh, representative 
came to him and whispered at him, which was still audible to the camera, I'm going to throw you over the balcony yeah. and break you in half. Yeah. That kind of immaturity, that kind of browbeating, thuggery, violence, um, as for all of our faults here in Canada, <laughs> I don't think that such behavior is one of them. No. I mean, th th there has been no charge that has been brought despite the d degree of heatedness and the partisan attacks that can or has been brought that this prime minister has broken the law even in the case of the uh, the senators with, 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 with their embezzlement or mm -hmm. with their uh, problems it's not a matter of law he has not broken the constitution he not. whereas the president of the United States, there's a whole long list of it. There's a constant cry, he should be impeached, and because uh, he has defied the constitutional nature of the American government. Quite openly, even in the State of the Union address the other day, he said that he's going to do whatever he wants to do, regardless yeah. of legislation. Exactly. So, given all of that, where we are in the world, I think we become, we Canadians become so preoccupied by looking at the marginal issue and always trying to see how it reflects in the American media that we forget that the larger world outside sees us differently yes you know the Europeans the Chinese the Indians you know I mean we are in a world now that the greatest transition uh, 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 Robert that is taking place is is the 21st century going to be the Asian century we didn't talk about that this is the centenary year of World War one mm -hmm. well World War one was not simply World War one it was the slaughter of Europe by Europeans themselves mm -hmm. you know everything that has happened this is not to make an apologetics of it but everything that has happened since 9-11 pales in comparison to the destruction that the European wrought mm -hmm. in what we might now call the one single tribal warfare of Europe from 1914 to 1945. And that, in a sense, ended the European century, going back all the way to the French Revolution and the Napoleonic War to World War One. Could you say that part of what the allure of Canada is, is that we've never built an empire. We're one of the very few nations in the world who's ever built an empire. But why should we? We were part of an empire, just as India was part of an empire. Yeah, we broke away, we broke more or away. less, from we the broke empire. Away. Australia broke away, but the point is... We created our own local empire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, when, you, when you look around the world, there are very few countries which has a record of sanity and a record of decency, we can we can pour about it. I mean, this whole these multiculturalist ideologues are constantly berating, you know, which is the next victim group that we can find out of how bad we are as Canadians. Hmm, interesting. But, but to look at it in the larger perspective, there's not too many countries with a record like ours. Hmm. And yet, you know, when you look at our situation domestically, boy, every problem is a huge, huge, unresolvable problem. And, exactly. and the end of the world's going to come. Let's take, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's take a break for a smile for a couple of minutes, and we'll conclude our discussion on the other side of this. Hey. <laughs> However, Minister, we could always close your bureaucratic watchdog office. Oh, no, you don't. I've only just opened it. It's the one thing I've done since I got here. One as you wish, Minister, but it has been criticized as a troublemaker's letterbox. Mm -hmm. It's very popular with the voters, Humphrey. Gives them a chance to help us find ways to stop wasting government money. The public doesn't know anything about wasting government money. We're the experts. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant. <laughs> well, the bureaucratic watchdog office stays. Well, offhand, I can't think of what else to suggest. 
Are you seriously telling me that there is no way we can cut down? Well, I suppose we could lose one or two of the tea ladies. Oh, <laughs> Do we should take this seriously? Tea ladies. I want the facts. I want to know who works here, what they do, what buildings we have, what goes on in them. A complete record. Then we'll know where to cut costs, cut staff, cut procedures. The Civil Service Minister exists to implement legislation enacted by Parliament. As long as Parliament continues to legislate, the Civil Service must continue to... However, I'm fully seized of your requirements, Minister, and if you'll excuse me, I'll go and set the wheels in motion. Well, with respect, Prime Minister. With no respect at all, Humphrey. No respect for confidentiality, no respect for the national interest, no respect for the national leader. It's unforgivable. Who leaked it? Who can say? You can say, and you'd better say it. <laughs> I want this traced at once. Must have been somebody at yesterday's meeting. Well, I'll set up a leak inquiry straight away. I don't want a leak inquiry. I want to find out who did it. <laughs> Very funny. Always, uh, yes, Prime Minister is always a great show. But in the, in the few minutes we have left, uh, Salim, um, we're joined with Salim Mansour here in studio. We've been sort of praising Stephen Harper for those things that he deserves praise for, and rightfully so. His speech to the Israeli Knesset, some foreign policy things. Um, we, we were talking during the break about how Canadians themselves don't realize um, how good we have it here. Do you want to elaborate on and that? Why we're so shy to... Uh, why we're so shy to talk about and praise yeah. our virtues. Well, I mean, uh, again, coming back to within a, a school environment, a university environment, there is not much of a discussion to our young students who will be our future citizen of what it is that they need to be proud about Canada. You know, it is not simply about, you know, we send teams to Olympics, you know, or we've had a record in which we win more hockey uh, uh, prizes in international competition. It is as a country what we have stood for, the values we have stood for. In the 28th century, we stood for the values of freedom and democracy that Harvard was talking about in, in his speech at the Knesset, you know, and we demonstrated that. We had, we had ne no necessary reason to go to World War One, where we became a nation, you know, at, mm -hmm. at, at Waimei. You know, we could have stayed back, we could have opted out of it, but we did. We we were right there in World War Two. We were right there in the Cold War. Two years before we the were, Americans. Yeah, yeah, we we stood up. We, we, we celebrate peacekeeping because of the Nobel Prize of Lester Pearson in, in the 57, which is connected with the Middle East. Yeah, great achievement, but it's becoming a diplomatic folklore. But to balance that, you see what it led to. I mean, Lester Pearson, peacekeeping, then comes Pierre Trudeau's government, and the sacking of, of, of our military forces. I don't know who I read it, but just recently I read that peacekeeping is of no use during times of peace, and peacekeeping is of no use during times of war. <laughs> so, I mean, th for, for Lester Pearson to come out and, and create this peacekeeping role, what he did was basically put a cork on a, a bottle that is going to explode at some point in time, don't you think? 
Yes and no. I mean, you know, the United Nations was experimenting, coming together. Remember, 45, mm. 57. I mean, everything has a context. There was a Cold War. Lester Pearson couldn't have done what he did without the approval of Britain and France, uh, sorry, of United States and Britain and France going forward to negotiate what he negotiated and then put the UN troops between Israeli forces and, and the Arab forces, the Egyptian forces and Canadian troops were there. We, we deployed our troops. So there was a time. We have gone. The Cold War is gone. The, the wars are real now, That the wars that we are looking at. I mean, what sort of peacekeeping any troops are going to do in Syria or in Iraq? And we have had our almost 14 years in Afghanistan and we are going to withdraw and then the fight will continue. What sort of peacekeeping? So, I mean, these are moot questions. We can talk about it. But yes, there was a recognition from the world. Pearson got it. But then a subsequent prime minister basically emptied out our armed forces, the men and the women who had gone and represented and fought for the issue that Stephen Harper was talking about, of freedom and democracy. Uh, those are the natural things that we should be talking about to our kids, you know, that Canada is looked up to. I mean, uh, the health care of Canada may be the finest in the world, but what does it do for the Chinese and the Indians? You know, some people uh, lament the fact that Canada's history is certainly not something that might be uh, fodder for a Hollywood movie. And maybe that's what they sort of... Uh, um, maybe that's what they think of when they think of Canada is that we're, we're sort of bland and why would why should we want to promote something that is not worthy of a Hollywood movie uh, we don't have the blood and the gore and the violence and the death and the slavery and you know the uprisings and you know give me bland any day compared <laughs> comparing it to uh, revolution and war and violence well bland at times can have a virtue if you can point out what is it in the, in the bland that makes sense and I'm saying that Harper's position at the Knesset he picked out the themes which is not simply bland which make which gives an added value maybe the, in the bland there is the maple syrup there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, or in the poutine there is the salt there yeah. so the, he pulled out that and he held it up you know and as he he summarized in that speech you know the values that Israel represents and fights for human rights freedom are the values that we as Canadians represent those are the things that connects around the world you know we are a trading nation we want to have have open trade with other countries Harper has signed the free trade agreement with the Europeans he's pushing that with the Latin Americans you know he will be doing that in Asia these are things which are very commendable but when you for instance talk to the Indians and remind them how we were shoulder to shoulder in the great fights for freedom and democracy in the last century we are both members of the Commonwealth you know and we punched way above our weight mm -hmm. to defend freedom and democracy you know you and and it make it resonates in a different way you and I had a discussion once before about how Burke um, basically said don't basically don't throw the baby out with the bathwater yeah. during a revolution yeah. Canada the United States have have matured totally differently uh, one more or less throwing the baby out with the bathwater in a violent revolution and of course ourselves quietly uh, tossing out those things that don't work, keeping those things that do work in a consistent basis until we've approached the day today where it could be arguably said that Canada 
as a better nation than many of it around around us for it. And, and we have Would tried to be a better. Yeah, I agree. We've tried to be. We've been very conscious about it in our own bland way. We, we have tried to be a better nation, a model, not by standing up and beating our breasts, but by acting on it. So yes, peacekeeping was one thing, but there are other issues. Remember when Ronald Reagan went to Berlin and he said the evil empire and bring this wall down, and people say, "Oh my God, what is he trying to do? Create another?" Third World War, hmm. remember that scene? Hmm. Well, Harper going into the Knesset and say, speaking what he spoke is, in my mind, something analogous. Because there he is surrounded. This is literally the Daniel and the lions, you yes. know. There is Israel, you know, a small country besieged from the moment of his birth. And then there are those countries who should be speaking out, who are secure. I mean, what, what does Jean Chrétien do when he is in Jerusalem, when he's asked? He says, I don't know whether I'm in East Jerusalem or in West Jerusalem. But what the heck <laughs> is he talking about? You know, he's trying to placate to everybody. You can't placate to everybody. There are certain times when you stand on your principle. And I think we began this discussion with Harper and the Knesset speech. So here it is, I think, you know, in the eight years, the foreign policy issue is not going to be the issue of 2015 election. And in the eight years, if Harper has shown any consistency in a world of post-9-11, he has shown the consistency of standing strong with the question of where Israel is. Well, thank you, Salim, for another great input on another tough subject that a lot of people have a hard time with. We've got to go for another week, and hopefully we'll have you back again on another subject. For this week, we're gone. Join us again next week when we'll continue our journey in the right direction. Until then, be right, do right, stay right, act right, and think right, and be right back here. We'll see you. Shalom. Color, color into black and white, under the Humphrey, a Prime Minister, must show that he's arrived. He must show that there's a new mind and a firm hand at number 10. He must be seen, seen to have made his mark. But you have, Prime Minister. How? A cook. <laughs> Seconded from the Cabinet Office canteen. To cook lunch for me here, at the flat. Something that none of your predecessors ever accomplished. <laughs> a place in the history books. <laughs> you say, you've shown them who's in charge, haven't oh, we? Yeah. <laughs>